From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods, and maybe you're off the grid. Hiya to all of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Those streaming us live on zoomerradio.ca and on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Those of you in the YouTube live chat room, those who catch us later at a more reasonable hour on the podcast, however and wherever you're listening, I bid you all the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, A quick programming note, next week, Thomas Horn will be here for the full two hours to discuss the Wormwood Prophecy. Uh, Dr. Paul LaViolette and Victor Vigiani stay with us as we uh, head on into Hour 2 and we continue to discuss uh, subatomic uh, physics and anti-gravitics and UFO UFO propulsion uh, devices. Um, we were talking about, or you mentioned the water engine, and I mentioned Stanley Myers, and mm. uh, supposedly, you know, had this dune buggy. I think that he was going to drive across America, and I guess he. Oh, had like he a, was doing it actually. Right, right, and then uh, there was a, even a there was a play about this by, by David Mamet. Uh, mm. uh, he made a play called The Water Engine, and and mm. uh, Myers supposedly was uh, had this meeting with some some big mm. oil suits, and they offered him untold um, fortunes to basically buy the technologies, presumably so they could put it on a shelf. And uh, then shortly after this meeting, according to the legend, um, he died, possibly poisoned. But um, Hmm. anyway, so this idea of the water engine has come up again, Hmm. uh, you're saying. And, um, you know, why do we expect a different outcome this time around? Yeah, by the way, his name's Walt Jenkins that okay. developed this newer version. It's a special spark plug along with a way of processing the water before you inject it into the carburetor. And um, he uh, he's aware of what happened to Myers, and uh, this is why he's organizing. Well, we're in a different age. We now have the Internet. He plans to have it broadcast uh, live uh, on the Internet. Um have a whole caravan of people traveling with him. Uh, he will need to really get out of the trailer. You have all his food supply and everything in there. So I, I think uh, he, he will succeed. Right. You would need an and, awfully big spark in order to basically, because what you're doing is you're ripping the, you have to rip the hydrogen uh, atoms off of the, away from the, the, the oxygen, right, to, and ignite the mm-hmm. hydrogen. <clears throat> Well, there's a way of doing it with very low input of energy. These are, these are things that he's discovered and others have discovered, and it produces what's called water gas, which is really not, not a good theory to explain it. It's uh, hydrogen and oxygen uh, together, uh, and it's in an energized state. And, in the, and then all it takes is a spark to detonate it, and you get, uh, you get energy out of it. And the whole process is very over unity, as it turns out. Right. And uh, this bothers a lot of people. They say, well, where's the energy coming from? Well, the thing is that it's because they're living in standard physics. You know, standard physics is designed as a closed system. Right. It's viewing the universe as a box. 
And the universe doesn't work as a closed system. It's an open system. And I explained this. Energy flux is going through maintaining your body this very moment, the table in front of you. If this flux were to stop for one moment, you, everything in the universe would uh, would disappear. Uh, it would uh, turn into a vacuum state. You know, what's keeping every particle of matter in existence is this flux. And we don't have to worry because this flux is eternal. It's going on. It's the gift of God, basically. Uh, it's uh, energizing everything. It's the wheel work of nature that Tesla was talking about. Right. So let's, let's bring it back to UFOs, if we could. Hmm. Uh, and I'm guessing they're not using... I can talk about other technologies besides... Uh, the B-2 bomber, like there's a Nasikas thruster, which is a magnetic uh, drive device. Uh, have you heard of this? No, no. Do tell. <clears throat> uh, Nasikas is a Greek physicist. I met him at a, a conference in the island of uh, Kos in Greece, and uh, he was talking about his experiments with the superconducting uh, nozzle and uh, put, puts a permanent magnet in his throat, and he gets a little thrust. It's not much, but uh, I agreed to help him out to develop this. We did tests. It was witnessed by a Nobel laureate who agreed. He agreed that he that we were getting thrust. <clears throat> uh, we showed it to Athens University physicists who looked at it from all angles, and they were very impressed. They didn't want to acknowledge openly the physics community what they saw. <laughs> right, right. Uh, we have interest from several uh, businessmen, aerospace uh, uh, interests, uh, to use it for propelling satellites uh, interplanetary. Because it, it, what, what really opened our eyes when I did the calculations on this thing uh, how much thrust you get for the weight of the device and how much thrust you get for the energy. Well, there's no energy, basically. But the thrust-to-weight ratio, uh, you compare it to the next best alternative, which is ion propulsion, and it's like, I don't know, a few orders of magnitude uh, more thrust for the amount of energy it needs, or, well, zero energy, really. You know, the question is, where is the magnetic field? get its energy. There's no faster way to clear a room of physicists than to talk over unity, is there? Yeah. Well, this is small enough that uh, if they're set up for showing, you know, with a liquid nitrogen doer, uh, they can sh demonstrate it in their classroom if they wanted to and demonstrate it breaks two laws of physics right there in front of their eyes. One is the, the law of energy conservation because they're creating thrust with zero energy input, uh, and they're breaking Newton's third law, the idea of action without reaction, you know, because uh, the standard view is, well, like a rocket, you have to throw mass out the back to get it to move forward. This, you're not throwing anything out. It moves forward on its own. And I've talked about this at conferences. You put a whole ray of these on a craft, and you could get to Mars in five days instead of nine months or whatever they talk about. Say what? The ion thrusters. Five days. Yeah, you could accelerate up to, uh, what was it, 100 uh, kilometers per second. 
uh, and get there pretty quick, you know. And, uh, yeah. Um, do, do you think that this kind of propulsion system that you're describing, there, there must be people either in NASA or the... Uh, the special access programs uh, that are going on, that they must be into this too. Is there? Are you aware of, or have you have any inkling as to how well, they might be experimenting? Uh, there's a few tricks that we didn't tell them, and we tried to interest NASA. <clears throat> they acted; they weren't interested. You know, they uh, said, "Well, unless you explain it in terms of standard physics, we can't to take an interest to do it." And of course, you, it's not explainable. And, I mean, because you're violating several laws of physics. But then behind our back, we heard from one NASA official that they did try to duplicate it, but because they hadn't consulted with us, we didn't give them all the secrets, Mm -hmm. and uh, it failed. So they basically wasted taxpayer money because of the way they do their business. Of course. And we're not the first. The same with the Podkonoff device. they tried to duplicate Podkonoff's uh, anti-gravity device. He didn't tell them all the secrets of how he makes his superconductor, mm-hmm. and they failed. <clears throat> what about the um, the whole idea of these these uh, the black triangles? Um, mm. There's a lot of uh, d- you know disagreements to where they're from. Uh, are they earth earth manufactured? Are they right? The Phoenix lights. The Phoenix lights. Uh, the the Stephenville yeah. lights. It's so so large, they obliterate the night sky. Mm-hmm. It's like a giant box car uh, right. store, rather box store, mm-hmm. floating by silently and slowly. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had that technology for years. Uh, I can't say whether the Phoenix lights were extraterrestrial or ours, but we have that, and it's uh, based. Uh, it came out of what I write about in my book, the Sky Vault, Project Sky Vault. And that started uh, at the end of World War II. Uh, and uh, it's basically the idea of lifting craft on beams of energy, uh, microwave beams. And uh, basically they found a way of bottling the energy up in the beam, sort of like a Star Trek phaser idea. You know? mm-hmm. And it's, a, I don't know if, if you want me to use the word, uh, it might sound a little technical, phase conjugation. Uh, basically, the, the wave, instead of going out and scattering out into space, uh, in a phase conjugator, you capture some of those and you reverse their paths back to where they came from. And so they end up getting trapped in that loop. They can't get out. Uh, so it's, they have figured a way, engineered a way to create these beams, and then also to create repulsive force at the end of each beam. So it pushes on the ground, pushes on the craft. And uh, I believe they used this technology to lift the first large spacecraft into space for the secret program. You know, if you read the book by uh, Tompkins, he was talking about designing craft for the Navy that started, I guess the smallest was an aircraft carrier size, 300 meter long. And then they, he quickly, they quickly went to one kilometer and even to 10 kilometers. And uh, these were assembled in secret bases on Earth. And the way they got them into the air, in my opinion, is using Project Sky Vault technology. They put these microwave beams on them and beamed you know, for, created these this, these forces that lifted them. 
<clears throat> in other words, we don't see the beams. They're microwave beams, but it's as if the crafts are standing on iron poles. Right, right. And that's why they can move so slowly despite their mass. Yeah, or fast. If you put more force on one and not on the other, it can quickly sh- flip off in one direction. What would be the effect of uh, on the ground, these microwave beams, if one of these craft were to pass over you? Yeah, well, people reported having a cup in their dashboard uh, spill over. They had some coffee in their dashboard and it spilled over when one of these craft went over because it was exerting a, a force downward. The case in Greece where um, when the thing went over, the tiles on the roof started rattling. And some of them were kicked off. That's the force this was putting down. What interference with electrical uh, systems. Oh, that too, yeah. Because, yeah, massive power, Massive power outages that have been associated with these sightings of these craft. Right, right, right. So they're electromagnetic, uh, te- so electromagnetic technology, in essence. Uh, and you're saying we ha- we have this technology. We've oh had yeah, yeah. We, we I believe these triangular vehicles use this. That uh, they have at each corner one of these beams. In the center of the craft, you see another luminous area. Is the phase conjugator? Likely, it's my theory. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> they they end up supporting it's like a tripod to support the craft. So we're not necessarily here talking extraterrestrial. All of this stuff is perhaps made in the good old USA. Right, right, right. Uh, well, they probably have places they're assembling them. Uh, well, not necessarily USA. Australia has a, a desert, too, where they, I understand there's a secret base there. But they probably assemble them on bases, uh, the moon or wherever. Um, well, it, it, I'm sure you're familiar with Richard Dolan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Richard and I have uh, have a, an ongoing relationship. We have this discussion about these uh, about the breakaway civilization and the right. capacity that uh, I think the military or whatever breakaway civilization has to uh, to move wherever they want within the solar system at or or just below light speed. Uh, I mean, now this kind of of, of technology. Wait a minute, at or just below superluminal? Superluminal, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that to me is like just. Ben Rich was saying, we can take ET home, and yes. it won't take uh, a lifetime. Right, and and I guess what Richard and I have talked about consistently is is how this kind of technology is being repressed, and the political systems uh, that just will not allow this stuff to. Uh, to, to become, uh, I guess, commonplace or part mm-hmm. of the uh, part of our lexicon. Uh, what forces? What forces do you see uh, are in play that, that to keep this stuff under the covers? Uh, I, I don't want to get po- too political about this, but what, what what are the forces in your mind that keep this under under? Well, rocks? the physicists are one of the major problems here because they're so going forward, looking backwards. Uh, you have to basically overthrow physics, and that's not a simple task. Mm-hmm. Because what university will admit that everything they've been teaching that your your children is a bunch of crap? Which mm-hmm. is really, you know, modern physics is a bunch of crap. Uh, all, all of these advanced uh, concepts like uh, quantum mechanics and so on. Uh, subquantum kinetics has a replacement for all this, you know. 
uh, like they talk about black holes, and the evidence points against it. There are no black holes. There are what I, they're basically stars that are uncollapsed, and they're producing huge amounts of energy. Yeah. They don't want to admit that because that violates their first law of thermodynamics. Mm -hmm. Energy can't be created. One of the big things that's ready to collapse in physics is the Big Bang Theory. I disproved it in 1986. I got letters from all sorts of astronomers congratulating me, including people in the Academy of Sciences of France and Canada and so on. Uh, and uh, then eventually it was forgotten and they kept talking about the Big Bang Theory as if nothing ever happened. And there's been since then so many other papers that have shown the tired light model fits the data better than the expanding universe model. You throw out the expanding universe concept and you don't have any Big Bang. Now, I, um, I wasn't planning on going here, but since you mentioned the Big Bang, uh, if you could at a sort of a grade six level, because that's where I'm operating on when it comes to the science. <laughs> uh, if, what are you replacing the Big Bang Theory with? With light losing energy as it travels on its journey to us from the galaxy. So if a light photon loses energy, its frequency is going to decrease. Its uh, wavelength will increase because lower energy photons have longer wavelengths and they're lower frequency. Okay? And what that will be seen as is a redshift, meaning that the photon is shifted more toward the red because it's lost energy. And that makes a specific prediction on cosmology tests. <clears throat> and I got into all this, into cosmology. That was my first inroads into astronomy. You, you listed a lot of my areas I've worked in. So this is what brought me into astronomy because subquantum kinetics was making the prediction that light should lose energy in space. And I thought, well, geez, this, is, this might be wrong too. And I, was, I was a little <coughs> scared about it. I said, well, I'd better test the, the idea. And I got the data. And I plotted this, this, uh, this particular relation. It's an exponential relation. And it's uh, turned. I found out later that uh, this had already been proposed. This uh, tired light effect, as they call it, was proposed in the days of Hubble by a guy named Zwicky, and it ended up fitting the data better than the expanding universe, Big Bang theory. I still don't follow though how we go from nothing to something with this. That's the theory. whole thing. You're losing energy in space. You're. It's a, a violation of energy conservation. Ah. What, what, is, what is the reason for that? And the reason is quite simple, because the universe operates as an open system, not a closed system. In an open system, energy can either increase, decrease, or stay the same. It's not necessarily conserved. Prigogine proved that. He expanded thermodynamics to include what he called <clears throat> non-equilibrium thermodynamics, which <clears throat> covers such systems, open systems, and showed that, it, in fact, that's the way it behaves. Now, what we're suggesting here is to get away from the closed system view of uh, the Big Bang, black hole idea, you know, energy has to be perfect conserved, go to this ether view of a, of a flux that you can't prove it's there, 
<clears throat> but if you do, that very simple assumption, <clears throat> just one assumption, explains all of the free energy results you're getting. All right, we've got to take another time out. We'll come back and pick up on that and other threads right here on The Conspiracy Show. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Savin. Welcome back. Dr. Paul LaViolette is with us, Victor Vigiani in studio from Zealand News Network. And uh, you were saying, you know, that you tried to uh, e explain some of these theories, uh, alternative energy theories to, to NASA, and they were somewhat dismissive because hmm. unless it, it fits into that uh, conventional physics... Not theories, but technologies. Technologies, thank you. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you've... you've, you've Proven these I people. didn't try explaining them the theory. Right, <laughs> I think right. It would have been above there. But it seems like well, I'm just gone past them. <laughs> right, but I'm wondering is somebody has this technology, and it seems to me they're using they are using this. It doesn't fit into conventional physics as cover. Um, so then I guess the question is, well, you know, who has it? Uh, you know, we talked well, about think these. about it. Conventional physics is just what they want to cover the space program, because right. according to conventional physics, all this is impossible. Right. That's for our consumption. The, this dog and pony show called NASA and the Apollo program and the Gemini program and the shuttle program, that's for public consumption. Meanwhile, uh, they've got, they're off, they've got deep space platforms, presumably. Would you, uh, concur? Yeah, in fact, uh, I've been in touch with a guy whose father worked on deep space platforms, and he got involved back in the raid of 1952 of Washington, D.C. with UFOs, and uh, that's when he got asked to come and analyze the radar images, and that's how he got involved. He became one of the major kingpins in the uh, U.S. Uh, secret anti-gravity program. And uh, he at one point confided to his son that uh, he was working on deep space platform. And uh, they were traveling outside the solar system at that time, he was given to understand. These are not just for travel in the solar system, outside the solar system. Let me ask a really naive question. Hmm. Why... Have this technology if they can't, if they're not willing to utilize it here on Earth. Why, what are they doing out there and why can't they be doing it here? Well, what I understand is they've been using it, and uh, there's a battle going on with some black hat ET races, the bad guys. Not all ETs are good. Uh, like we host, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Paul White. Yes, yes. We host in Area 51 and uh, we have ETs working underground. In fact, uh, was it Vice Chancellor of Soviet Union of Russia once said uh, that he's given a briefcase every morning and reports on uh, the ET situation, UFO situation. And he says if he revealed to the public how many ETs really live on Earth, it would, everyone would go in shock. So uh, Tompkins, in his book, it's a very good book to read, uh, it's, uh, sort of digresses a lot of his life experience and so on, but 
basically he's talking about all these ET races and that they've got a war going on. The Navy is, is what's called Solar Warden, meaning it's sort of like the defense uh, the defense force that we've put up in space that uh, Gary McKinnon, who hacked into the Space Command uh, computer, found about these ship-to-ship transfers going on. Yes. They weren't talking about Navy ships on Earth. And that's sort of it's what got them all PO'd at him, and they want him to be tried here, but they finally dropped the charges, from what I understand. Uh so uh, th- there's this big uh, effort to combat these, they say, ETs that come from Draco, reptilian types uh, that uh, have been aligned with the Nazi uh, right. anti-gravity program uh, who were based out of Antarctica, After, which, you know, a lot of this stuff I've learned just in the last few years that... Uh, Hitler really wasn't uh, defeated. He was. Uh, they went off planet. They d- developed these technologies before the end of World War II, sequestered them in Antarctica, and then the plan was set up moon base and Mars base. They were helped by the negative ET forces, from what I understand. These Draco reptilians. Draco meaning they come from Alpha Draconis area of the galaxy. I have no proof of this. It's just what I hear, which uh, is sort of the situation that's passed on to us by people in the know. And I trust Tompkins. I respect him. You look at his biography, and <clears throat> if he says it's true, it's probably true. Well, the, 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 the question behind that is, is why would he, why or how could he possibly make up this stuff? I'm familiar with his, with his discourse on this. And, and yeah. it, it's, a, it's a fascinating type of, of, uh, of scenario that really uh, classifies us as a prison planet. And uh, with, with what's going on on the planet at this given time, with the degradation of just about every system, uh, or the disintegration of just about every system on the planet, uh, there seems to be uh, a theory that this, let's just let this planet die and die off as a as a you know a fallen cinder around around a big star, and that all these people who have this stuff under their hat and control over it will be the ones that will become the star-faring uh, civilization that they will become. And whoever these people might be, are the liars and the thieves. So where does that leave us? Well, you have to throw in the bag the catastrophe that's coming, which is the leveler. <laughs> And these people think they've got it all figured out, and they haven't. You know, for for one thing, uh, they say that the EM pulse from this uh, superwave event could uh, wipe out any artificial intelligence type ETs. For one thing, mm-hmm. if you believe they're out there, which is a very likely possibility. Um, but. Uh, you know, something like that is a pretty heavy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're talking about an, an EMP event, uh, like a sun, a, a solar flare, like a no, character from the star? galaxy, from the core of oh, the galaxy. Uh, uh, sort of cosmic rays. Right, yes. I'm the originator of the superwave theory. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, we have, and, and uh, well... We're going to uh, break here shortly, but we can uh, we can explore that. Uh, and we've got about three minutes here before the uh, the break. Let's 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 talk a little bit about that theory. 
and, hmm. and, and what yeah, might be in I store. Developed it. That's what I did my dissertation on. I was planning to do my Ph.D. on uh, subquantum kinetics, and then I made this discovery. I deciphered a cryptogram that was encoded in ancient myths and uh, esoteric sciences, and it was talking about uh, this superwave effect. Uh, in fact, it was pointing, uh, using constellations that had a sighting on the galactic center with a certain date. And it indicated an arrow flight out from the center, one radian in the map, it was one radian, which means it comes directly from the center to us, symbolically. And if you study the one radian concept, you know, it's, it's a radius of the circle, but marked on the circumference. And symbolically, what it was saying was, this is something that comes to us. And uh, I started looking into the whole thing, and I realized, well, you know, our galaxy could, uh, the core of our galaxy could erupt just like those of other galaxies we see erupting. And maybe the current theories astronomy are wrong that the the outbursts are contained in the core, and maybe these really do uh, stream out like bullets throughout the whole galaxy. And uh, so that's what my thesis was based on, and data that's come out after that. I mean, this superwave theory has itself had 14 confirmations of predictions over its years, one being uh, this long-range rectilinear propagation of cosmic rays. We see it going on in other galaxies. I know if you're familiar with some of these space program whistleblowers, mm-hmm. like Corey Good and yes. another fellow, Ken something or other, I forget his name, talking about that they went out to check this theory in 1987. Now that's uh, four years after I started talking about it. I published my thesis in 83. I was giving paper, uh, a lecture on it in 85. I published papers in 85 and 87. I requested ice core samples from the Soviet, then Soviet Union to test the theory in 86, and I had an FBI car parked outside my door, I found out later when I got my FBI report. So they well knew about my theory, and uh, they wanted apparently to go out and test it, and they sent a, a superluminal spacecraft, because apparently it's, it's possible to travel faster than light, and they were doing this at that time. Uh, out into the galaxy, check this out, and when they went toward the galactic center, they found, sure enough, there's this superwave there coming towards us. And they, according to Good, it had uh, psychological effects on the, the passengers, which he doesn't explain, but I could understand why. You know, I discuss it in one of my postings which is on my website, etheric.com. Etheric.com. All right, uh, Dr. LaViolette, let's uh, just stay put. We'll come back in a few moments, and uh, let's pick up on the superwave theory. What's the ETA? Uh, we'll uh, do that. Victor Vigiani stays with us in studio from Zeland News Network, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are madly off in all directions, but that's okay, because it's all good. 
well, not good news, but the uh, the content, the information is absolutely fascinating. Dr. Paula Violette is uh, with us, uh, the author of a number of books, including Secrets of Anti-Gravity Propulsion, Tesla UFOs, and Classified Aerospace Technology. Victor Vigiani in studio from Zeland News Network. And you were talking, Dr. Lee Violette, before the break about uh, superwave theory. Yeah. And that we have um, on the horizon... And you'll give us the uh, the ETA here, uh, a burst of cosmic radiation that's going to do what exactly? Yeah, well, it's cosmic rays uh, along with electromagnetic waves, so like radio, light, uh, gamma rays, X-rays, the whole works, will arrive suddenly. Uh, you can't see it coming because that whole thing travels at the speed of light towards you. <clears throat> So when it's here, that's when the cosmic rays are on our doorstep. And like in the Hopi legend, where they talk about a blue-white star appearing in the sky, signaling the uh, the next catastrophe, the coming, the arrival of the catastrophe. This is what it would look like. It would look like a bluish-white star, where the galactic center currently is located, which is between the constellations of Scorpio and Sagittarius. And uh, cosmic ray levels will go quite high, uh, 100,000 times higher than, uh, well, at least 1,000 times above the current background in, in space, uh, showering us. Um, so especially during the first three days, it would be much higher than that because uh, we've seen... Uh, a, another, in another galaxy, a core becoming active at first, they thought it was a gamma ray flash, and then they, they it kept going, and so you realize that really it was just the core of the galaxy going into galactic core explosion mode, active state. And after three days, the power came down from this initial gamma ray flash level down to more moderate cipher galaxy-like levels, or quasar levels, at least, uh, and that's what would happen. The reason being, uh, all the f- higher energy particles will be the ones that arrive first because they're going a little faster than the others. What are, what are the effects going to be like uh, here on well, planet Well, there'll Earth? be a gravity wave associated with it, which will cause earthquakes, worldwide earthquakes, uh, maybe trigger volcanic eruptions. And that might precede by about a day or two the arrival of the cosmic rays. And then they will shower the solar system, so you should try to take cover in caves or tunnels, subways, whatever, to get away from that. Uh, <coughs> of course, uh, some of the high, very high energy stuff will penetrate even 100 feet below, you know, with the create muons, which can go very far down. Are we, are we talking uh, an extinction <coughs> event here? Well, um, the main thing that causes extinctions is the sun. Um, and uh, I believe that uh, well, the, the superwave, as far as radiation goes, uh, would cause a lot of genetic change if you're left out in the open and, uh, and radiation sickness. I don't think, my impression is that's not what causes extinctions. If you look at, like, the mass extinction at the end of the Ice Age that wiped mm-hmm. out the large animals in North America, mm-hmm. 
that was, in my opinion, caused by solar proton event, uh, like a super uh, solar uh, event. Uh, sort of like the Carrington event, but like 100 times greater. Um, and the evidence for that is in the ice core, and that's I published a paper in a technical journal. I try to <clears throat> sort of like peg all these theories uh, with data and get them in referee journals to establish credibility for all my theories. This cosmic ray event, though, do you have an ETA? Well, uh, that's the thing. It's difficult to predict, and so you go to things like psychics predictions and uh, prophecies like the Garabandal prophecy based on analysis. They, the, there's one lady, I guess, who's still alive who was... Uh, involved in that uh, experience, it was like a, uh, a vision they had in Portugal, and they were good date. And she hasn't wanted to say it, but she's let out enough clues that some people have uh, put together. That, that you know, and I, I, based on what they said in the day of the week and so on, you can figure maybe one possible date is next year in April. <clears throat> But isn't there, uh, is, is it cyclical? I mean, nothing definite, you know. But based on those ice core samples that you brought, that you had delivered from the Soviet Union, was there evidence that it's cyclical, that it's like every 5,000 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah, well, the Vostok core, which was uh, Soviet drilled, um, other researchers have published uh, cosmic, well, what's called the Brillium 10 record. And Brillium 10 is caused by cosmic rays, spikes. And that was one of the. Th- predictions of the superwave theory that would produce these brilliant ten spikes in the ice record and sure enough that's what they found and another fellow did analysis Fourier analysis and found a period there were three periods that showed up one was about 25,000 year period another 12,500 year period another 5,800 year period which comes close to the Mayan cycle all right we're going to take another time out we'll come back and uh, uh, finish up with uh, Dr. Paul LaViolette and Victor Vigiani talking well you name it we're covering it superwave theory anti-gravity UFO propulsion zero point uh, subatomic kinetics we're all over the place stay with us Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarek. Something wicked this way comes. A cosmic ray event. Uh, one cycle is every 5,800 years, and that would sort of line up with the, uh, the Mayan prophecy. And here we thought, we all breathed a big sigh of relief, winter solstice 2012. We thought, well, we dodged that one. Uh, but not necessarily so. So how is this, if at all, sort of tied into uh, a lot of the things that we've been talking about? For example, the the, the alien or the ET presence yeah, here on well, Earth. Well, there's, uh, <clears throat> many people are saying that the reason there's so many ET races here now is because the time is approaching for this to happen. And many of these are here to help us, to It'll be like a rescue operation, uh, and uh, it will. The whole thing is may have psychological effects on the whole race. Uh, well, it will definitely. You know, when you stop to think, uh, what happened during the World Trade Center? 
Yes. You know, mm. for uh, you know the Princeton egg project where they had r- random number generators planted around the Earth and they were comparing them. No, no. Back to the laboratory during the for three days during the World Trade Center collapse tragedy. The, there was non-random behavior in those eggs, and they never saw it any other time. And it actually started a few hours before the uh, actual hit. What does that mean, non-random behavior in the eggs? I'm not... <clears throat> it may, meant that something was affecting those, and I bet, my theory is, it was people's consciousness. Ah. It was indicating that there was a global consciousness, because for that one moment, everybody's face, eyes were glued to their TV sets watching what was happening on Manhattan. And uh, that never happened before. Not only that, but in an awe-striking manner, like horror. Right, massive trauma. Yeah. And uh, the same thing will happen, but on a much wider scale and more powerful scale, because it won't be looking at somebody else's fate but your own. Everyone will be seeing this in the sky. And everyone, we're all interconnected. It's quantum entanglement. They've mm-hmm. done experiments on this, and they believe that that's what te- involved in telepathy. And all these channels will then open. Uh, we'll, we'll all be sort of non-randomly communicating <laughs> as one. We'll, we'll no longer be individuals. We'll be a human race organism, so to speak, an entity, a conscious entity that will be, I believe, a, a energy of love will be involved. So then what you're saying is that at some point, either just before or during this event, that somehow humanity will uh, be involved in a collective consciousness event where they, everyone realizes the same thing. Sleep. Right. Well, everyone will realize something at the same time instantaneously, which will be or shall be the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Won't it be too late, though? Well, you know, it's. <laughs> let's jump off the bus well, together. I don't know. <laughs> you know, people have said, you know, if enough humans can get together, they can create miracles. Mm-hmm. So imagine that suddenly we become conscious and we just say, we don't want this and deflect the, the, the whole superwave around the earth. Right. At the beginning you know, of our conversation, uh, Dr. LaViolette, um, you're, you were sort of, um, pretty straightforward in your explanation about, uh, you know, quantum physics and, and all of that. And over the last 30 minutes. We've gone further out and further out. Well, you, you, you have, be- <laughs> really, and I really mean this sincerely, you've become so metaphysical about this whole thing, which is, uh, is, is it antithetical to the kind of uh, physics work you do in physics, or is it sort of the same sort of thing? But I, well, I, I don't talk about these subjects when I'm writing a paper right, focused yeah. on physics and uh, with evidence and solid base. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, we're just covering different fields here. Uh, and th- this is talked about by others that the next catastrophe event will be involved. It's even in the Bible. It will be associated with a uh, shift of consciousness or uh, coming of man. You know, what does what, it, it mean? Uh, the, 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 what's it called? The, the coming of the son of man. What, what does that mean? It means we give birth to a son 
our humankind gives birth to a son, a son of man. In mm-hmm. other words, this integrated consciousness, could that be what was really intended and they couldn't explain it to us because it involved quantum physics to mm-hmm. understand it? <laughs> <laughs> so the this off-world civilization, this breakaway civilization that has this technology, I guess the idea here is that they're not counting on this cosmic ray being diverted at the last moment by elevated human consciousness, they're trying right. to get the, the hell off the planet. Is that the idea? Yeah, they dug down, they built the tunnels. We, you know, In fact, you know about this uh, super collider in Texas. Yes. Why did they suddenly shut it down after they dug the tunnel and they said it's outfitted like a jail there with all facilities? What is a jail? It's like a hotel, basically. So they could use it for a refugee center, you know, fallout shelter. So supposedly these are all over the place, and it's not just our civilization. Past civilizations have dug these tunnels. You see them in Bosnia. I've been there twice, the tunnels there. Uh, You see them in Turkey, seven levels of tunnels. Uh, they They had living quarters down there. Why would the people ancient times be doing that? Those are probably dating from the last ice age. Fascinating. So, no, there are these tunnels, and uh, whether there'll be any concerted effort to herd us into safe places, I don't know. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Laviolette, you have given us uh, so much to think about, and I'm sure this program will result in a few sleepless nights uh, for some of us, but uh, I, I really appreciate you spending two hours with us, and we'll direct people again to the website etheric.com etheric.com and um, of course the uh, the book that we've been really talking about uh, at, at, at great length uh, that would be um, uh, Secrets of Anti-Gravity secrets. Propulsion yes. and there's also Earth Under Fire if you're interested in the superwaves and Subquantum Kinetics is a, more of a technical book physics-like, but much easier in physics. And Genesis all of, of the cosmos makes it accessible for the general public and goes into the ancient myths that encode it. It's actually an old science, it turns out, that we are discovering again. All right, and all available wherever good books are sto- uh, available. And, uh, at, and uh, on my website. And <laughs> on your website. Uh, that's the place to get it then, etheric.com. And there's a lot of free papers there, too, you can download. Terrific. So. Well, I've linked up to that uh, website at strangeplanet.ca. They just click on your name, and uh, they are there. Thank you again so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Dr. Paul Violette. All right. Victor, last order of business. Over to you, sir. What did you make of that? I'm just getting set to leave here and (laughs) start my car and try to drive home and not think about the last two hours because it has really been an eye-opener for me. I have a lot of – I have 40 years in this stuff, and I've never heard uh, talk like this before in in my career. And it's uh, disconcerting in some way, but it's also enlightening in others. So uh, I'm just glad that we had a chance to talk to uh, the doctor about this. And uh, it provides us with a different way of thinking. And I guess that's why we're here. Absolutely. Well, yes, he did give us a lot to chew on, didn't he? Uh, all right. We are. Thank you, Victor. And, oh, very quickly. How do people uh, 
log on to uh, your, uh, your your news network, Zland News Network. Just Google Zland Communications, Z L A N D Communications, and you'll come to uh, our website with uh, all of the journals and press releases and editorials that you'll uh, that you'll want to follow and read. That's well over now uh, ten years of them. Fantastic. Zland News Network. Victor, thank you. Uh, my thanks to Owen Wolf, Ryan White. Back next week, don't forget, Thomas Horn will be here for the full two hours talking about the Wormwood Prophecy. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Listen to this. Our dog and our cat both need pet care products, right? Uh Uh-huh. And it costs us a small fortune to buy pet care products. There must be a place online that sells them for less. Uh Uh-huh. And I think I just found it. SmartClickPetCare.com. Uh-huh. The company behind it is Budget Pet Care, known for top quality. And they've got all the brand name products. Frontline, Advantage, Revolution, HeartGuard, Capstar, and more. All at great prices. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why should we pay more? SmartClickPetCare.com will help us save, save, save. Honey, are you listening to me? Yes, dear. But let's hear what the radio announcer has to say. Right now, get an extra 10% off plus free shipping on your order at SmartClickPetCare.com. SmartClickPetCare.com. Hey, that's a cute dog and cat you have there. Oh, um, thanks. Pay less for quality pet care products. SmartClickPetCare.com.